You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. They all knew about the God of Israel. For 40 years they had heard about him. And she was the only one with the courage to step out and go against popular opinion and go against what everybody would think when they knew that she'd come to believe in this God. I put in my notes for for 40 years these people had heard about the God of Israel and while they melted in fear, they never moved in faith. But Rahab did. Whenever we read a book or watch a movie, there's often minor details that we tend to miss no matter how focused we are. When it comes to the Bible, there are countless discoveries patiently waiting for those who diligently read God's Word repeatedly. In today's message, Pastor Danny gives us further insight into the life of Rahab from a perspective that many of us probably haven't considered. In our study, we learn just how courageous her faith truly was choosing to believe in a society that otherwise rejected the God of Israel. Now here's Pastor Danny in Joshua chapter 2 with part 2 of his message, Cinderella, From Harlot to Heroine. She's a harlot. She's a prostitute. In a pagan culture, even more pagan than the one you and I live in. I love what one person writes about Rahab. God's agents, the spies, were saved by a madam. The proprietress of a bordello. A woman who sold her body for money, who submitted to any man who crossed her doorway if he had the cash. My first title for the message came fairly easily. From harlot to heroin, not the drug, with an E. In the Oxford Dictionary, it means a woman admired for courage, outstanding achievements. In the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, it's a female hero. She's listed In Hebrews chapter 11, a list of saints that have gone before us. Some have called it the hall of faith. And she's there. She's a heroine. She's a hero. And I want to share with you five characteristics about her faith. The first one is very simple. It's saving faith. James chapter 2, verses 24 to 26, specifically mentions Rahab in the context that just to believe in God is not enough. But believing and then showing it by what you do, just like Rahab by what she did on behalf of 
the people of God, the spies specifically. She proved her faith, that it was saving faith. Some people get stuck with Rahab and take issue with the fact that she lied. Yes, she lied. That she deceived. Yes, she deceived. Have you looked in the mirror recently if you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Did you put your faith in Christ once you came to the knowledge of the truth and all of a sudden you were completely sanctified? Didn't happen. Go look in the mirror. John Newton, you say, I don't know that name. Well, do you know the song Amazing Grace? He wrote it. And for a whole year after John Newton gave his life to Jesus Christ, John Newton, who before giving his life to Christ, was a slave trader, continued to be a slave trader, and then under conviction of the Holy Spirit, as his life began to change from the inside out, just like ours, saving faith. She's not perfect. But the second thing about her faith, it's surprising faith. <laughs> surprising. Uh, surprising. Who would have laid money that Rahab's going to get saved? Who would have laid money Saul of Tarsus was going to get saved? The demoniac that nobody could bind, and he's out living in the tombs. He's cutting himself with things, and he's crying out every day. And yet one day, as he's crying out, he encounters a Savior. So miraculously delivered, people come out from the town, see this guy now dressed and in his right mind, sitting there with Jesus. Jesus begins to leave. He comes and he says, let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, no. You go back and you tell your friends and you tell your family all God's done for you. What's fascinating about that story is that was where Jesus also had cast demons into these pigs and the pigs ran down the hill and the pigs drowned. And when the people who owned the pigs in the town came out and they saw all their pigs were dead, they said, leave us. Because it affected their pocketbook in their wallet. But this other guy from the area known as the Decapolis, a pagan Gentile region, he does what Jesus says, goes and begins to tell people, and the next time Jesus comes, he gets a hero's welcome. And everybody's coming to him, wanting them, wanting Jesus to minister to them. The people God uses first person Jesus revealed himself to in his resurrection. A woman named Mary Magdalene. And when it tells us a story, it's careful to tell us, the gospel writers, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Now come on, help me out here. Do you know somebody, maybe family, friend, and they're the last person in the world you thought would become a Christian, and they became a Christian. Anybody got somebody like that in mind? Last person you would think of. And as you're raising your hands, I wonder if I asked that question among your family and friends, would say that about you? 
It's saving faith. It's surprising faith. This is the last person in the world you'd put your money on. But thirdly, it's singular faith. Now, I'm going to admit I stole this one. I stole this point from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. But he's with the Lord now. He doesn't mind. Let me read you, as only Spurgeon could say it. Have you ever felt that it's a very hard thing to have a singular faith? It's the easiest thing in the world to believe as everybody else believes. But the difficulty is to believe a thing alone when no one else thinks as you think. To be the solitary champion of a righteous cause when the enemy musters his thousands to the battle. Now this was the faith of Rahab. She had not one who felt as she did who could enter into her feelings and realize the value of her faith. She stood alone. Oh, it is a noble thing to be the lonely follower of despised truth. Rahab's faith, sinner as she was, had this glory, this crown about its head, that she stood alone, faithful among the faithless found. All of her friends, all of her neighbors, the city she had lived in, the city she had probably grown up in. They all knew about the God of Israel. For 40 years they had heard about Him. And she was the only one with the courage to step out and go against popular opinion and go against what everybody would think when they knew that she'd come to believe in this God. I put in my notes, for for 40 years, these people had heard about the God of Israel, and while they melted in fear, they never moved in faith. But Rahab did. And that brings me to my fourth characteristic that I find in Rahab's faith. It's sanctifying faith. Sanctification is a big word that basically just means you're set apart for a particular purpose. And if you're set apart for God's purpose, then God will mold you, shape you for what He wants for your life. But you have to be willing in the hands of the potter. Be willing to let Him shape you. Rahab's faith set her on a whole new path. She would leave the life of prostitution And the moment that she put her faith in the God of Israel, while everybody else around her is melting in fear, and that was her at one point, melting in fear. Stop and think about that. That means she, for all these years, hearing about this God of Israel, and now His people are coming their way, and they know that this God of Israel has destroyed powerful peoples. And they're in fear for their lives. And as soon as Rahab took that step of faith, all of a sudden this miraculous thing happened inside. She knew now, I'm ready to die. There's no more fear of judgment. She had a peace in her life like she never had before. And can you imagine now leaving that life and becoming a part of the people of Israel and she starts to hear stories about the God of Israel? She hears Bible studies about the God of Israel. She hears about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob 
She hears about young David as he goes out and faces Goliath, and she's just hanging on it. I mean, if she were a part of our congregation, Calvary Chapel Fellowship, she would say, would you please let me come to the men's breakfast? Because she wants to be at everything. She wants to grow. She wants to learn. And learn she did. (laughs) She'd hear about the Ten Commandments. And when she got to the ninth one, that one really... Thou shalt not lie. You can only imagine the way she used to drift. Her job was to attract men. Not to what was on the inside. No. Her job was to attract men based on the cleavage. Her job was to attract men based on the shortness of the skirt, the tightness of the pants. And now she began to learn about purity. And she began to learn that there's something of this God of Israel in his character, that he looks beyond the outward. And he looks and he sees the value in what's inward. And as she would continue to change inwardly, she would change outwardly. And all of a sudden, even though it may not have been popular where she came from now, she's not worried about attracting somebody based on the outward. She's, she's more concerned with what God thinks. And that naturally led to not only living a pure life, but dressing in a pure way. I mean, everything about her life was changing. She's being sanctified. And her sanctification... Please, before we go to the last point, don't miss this. Her sanctification had a sanctifying effect on her whole family. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul will write and he will say to those who are married to a spouse that don't know Jesus, and they, the unbelievers willing to live with you, then you live with them. How do you know? It's asked, how do you know whether you're saved? And the idea is to be the sanctifying influence that brings your unbelieving spouse to Jesus. How do you know? You wonder what's happening with your kids. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe the issue with my kids has something to do with me? Maybe what I say is not what they see? And that rather than just saying, do what I say... You can say, do what I do. And when you start being able to say, do what I do, and not just what I say, maybe then God can take you as a parent and you can begin to have an effect. Let's be a sanctifying influence on your child for Jesus. And it works whether it's parent to child or child to parent or uncle and aunt to niece and nephew or grandfather and grandmother to grandchildren. Some grandparents go, well, I wish I could go back and change the way I was. Well, you can't, but you can change the way you are. Sanctifying faith. And that brings me to the last one, and this is the fall, man. It's storybook faith. It's storybook. You remember the story of Cinderella? My title originally, From Harlot to Heroine. I changed it now to Cinderella 
And here's the way you spell it. S-I-N, Dorella. Cinderella. Don't miss these last 10 minutes. You'll be sorry. Matthew chapter 1. And in my Bible and in most Bibles, the heading of Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is his family line. And you get to verse 4, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nation, Nation the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, the prostitute. How'd that happen? Well, keep a marker in Matthew chapter 1 and go to 1 Chronicles chapter 2. And 1 Chronicles chapter 2, remembering what I just read, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. Now you go to 1 Chronicles 2, and here's what we read, verse 10. Ram was the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, the leader, or more specifically, the prince of the people of Judah. That's Jesus' line. That's Jesus' tribe. The tribe of praise. That's what it means. Nashon, the father of Salmon, that's how it happened. Back in Matthew chapter 1, pausing before we read it, Salmon, the son of a prince, which would mean he's a prince. And this prince of Judah, one day, I don't know where he was, I don't know how it happened, but he takes note of this woman that's been grafted into the people of God. Her name he knows, or if he didn't, he asked. But I think everybody probably knew Rahab's name. They knew the story. And he says to his buddy, can't you just see him? He says, hey man, you see that chick? I like her. And somehow, somehow, I don't know whether he, he, he says, hey, would you like to go for a camel ride? <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but someone, he asked this girl out. I don't know what you did on a date in Israel hey, there in those days. But they strike up a relationship. And Rahab is like, knowing where she's come from. She's like, me? You, you talking to me? Really? And she goes back and tells her new friends, her new Israelite sisters, this guy asked me out. And they end up getting married. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, another amazing story. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Rahab is the great-grandmother of the most beloved king 
of all Israel. She had no idea. 1 Corinthians 2.9 What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Rahab, when she put her faith in the God of Israel that day, now she knew she saved from judgment, but she had no clue that God wanted to do more than just save her from hell. God wanted her to be married in the will of God, and she married a prince. You say, well, that didn't happen to me. I got five minutes. Maybe you're disappointed at that. Maybe you're disappointed at the whole story. Maybe you you like the story, but you go, well, that's a great story, but I've never been a prostitute. So I can't really relate. Isaiah 64, 6. Here's what it says. To all of us. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. It's the word for a woman's monthly menstrual cloth. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. James and James, he's the guy that just puts it in your face, you know, by the Holy Spirit. You read the little book of James in the New Testament, and he just puts it in your face. And in chapter 2, he says, you adulterers. And one translation is, you prostitutes. And if you have not realized it, I pray you begin to realize today, we're all spiritual prostitutes. The story of Rahab, if you know Jesus, it's your story. It's my story. And if you don't know Jesus, it can be your story. But you're going to have to be willing. You're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to go against popular opinion. You're going to have to go against what they're going to say about you, what they're going to think about you. But if you want not only salvation and to be saved from damnation and judgment, but if you want God's will for your life and you... God has good things planned for you. Don't marry the wrong person. If you have, find forgiveness and look to the future and He'll still work. Nobody loves us like God loves us. And He wants to do for us what nobody else can do. It starts with receiving Jesus. And I don't know if I'm talking to somebody, you know all about God and you know all about Jesus. Well, these guys did too in Jericho for 40 years. They knew all about the truth. And now they knew about this man named Joshua. They knew about the God of Israel, but it's not just knowing about the God of Israel. It's knowing Him by faith. Taking that step, receiving Jesus. And if you've never done that, no matter how much you know, no matter how much knowledge you have, Would you do that today, right now? 
The people of Israel weren't equipped to fight battles. They had no military training and little provisions to speak of as they entered a land already occupied by people they themselves described as giants. God had committed to giving them the land though, and they were ready to trust his promise no matter what he asked them to do. As we continue to study in the book of Joshua, we'll discover just how faithful God is, but also how strange his methods can seem at times. Is God doing something strange in your life right now? Or is he asking you to do something that makes no sense at all? If so, trust him. He's got a plan up his sleeve, and as we learn from the book of Joshua, his plans always work out. And when it's successful, God will be the only one who will be able to take the glory. We know how hard the journey of faith can be, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Joshua on our next edition. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website ccfstpete.church. There you'll also be able to learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd like to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time for more from Joshua right here on The Living Word.